humans, we have this knack for messing things up, don't we? It feels like if there's a way to botch something up, we've figured it out. And just as soon as it seems like we couldn't spoil, spoil things in any new ways, we use all of our God-given talents and creativity to invent new ways to completely befoul a number of situations. Maybe it's an elaborate lie that we tell to get out of trouble that gets more and more intricate and therefore harder to remember. Maybe it's the creative but futile attempts that we make when we're lost in an unknown place. Maybe I recognize that tree. Maybe that's the gas station I'm supposed to turn at when we have no idea. <laughs> Maybe it's the deviously imaginative ways that children get out of obeying their parents. Maybe it's another tech startup that's disrupting a market to solve a problem that none of us really have. Maybe it's messing with Coca-Cola's recipe with AI now. Have you seen that one? Don't try it, it's bad. Or Crystal Pepsi or whatever, like when the old school flavors were just fine. <laughs> or, more importantly, maybe we tend to mess up one of the most fundamental parts of following Jesus. I want you to think about it with me. One of the chief aims of Christian spirituality and religion is to be close to Jesus. Full stop. Just be close to Jesus. I know it sounds simple, and it really is, but being close to Jesus is absolutely central to everything. But wow, have we found ways to mess this up. Indeed, in this pursuit to be close to Jesus, we've strayed into paths that lead us away from him rather than toward him. For instance, think about the concept of works righteousness that's been a significant misstep. It's the idea that we can somehow earn God's favor and therefore proximity to him through our good deeds and moral behavior. This mindset reduces our relationship with Jesus to a transactional one, like he's some kind of a, a, a cosmic vending machine where we put in our good works and he gives us what we want in return. In this mindset, grace is overshadowed by a scorecard of our actions. In some circles, Spiritual elitism is what gets in the way, is what hinders us. It's where there are certain spiritual experiences or practices that are elevated over others and it creates this hierarchy among followers of Jesus. And it not only breeds division, but it also skews the simple truth that closeness to Jesus is accessible to everyone, it's accessible to all, at all times, in all places, all ways. Regardless of someone's spiritual status or the experiences they have or have not had with God. Now let's not forget about cultural Christianity, which is like the prevenient, prevenient? Prevalent. I'm getting confused here. <laughs> Little Wesleyan Freudian slip. A Wesleyan slip. A Wesleyan slip. I like that. All right, let's get back. Let's not forget about cultural Christianity, which is so prevalent in America right now where faith is more about social identity or tradition rather than a living relationship with Jesus Christ. In this model, being close to Jesus is more about following cultural norms and less about this personal transformative communion with Jesus. Each of these missteps and so many others in their own ways has complicated what should be a simple and profound truth. The heart of Christian faith is about being close to Jesus, knowing him, loving him, 
living in his grace. It's not about earning, accumulating, conforming to the world's patterns or boasting or anything else. It's about abiding in his love and walking in his ways. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, as we really get started this morning, would you open our eyes? Would you unstick our ears, Holy Spirit, so that we might see and hear what it is you want us to see and hear? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're going to delve into briefly the text from Mark 4 that Callie read so well for us. And in this text, we find ourselves in this moment of quiet revelation. Jesus has just taught maybe his most famous or arguably his most famous parable. And and his disciples come to him when he's alone. and, And that's their response. They come close to Jesus and they ask a question, which is in stark contrast to the distant crowds who receive his teachings only in parables. The scene paints this vivid picture of intimacy. Those who are closest to Jesus receive the direct, unfiltered essence of his words. While those who are at a distance, they just get to grapple with what seems like riddles to them. And this pattern of public versus private communication is seen in other areas of the ancient world, in the student-philosopher relationship in Greek literature, as well as in the authorized interpreter of visions and parables in Jewish apocalyptic literature. This idea of public and private communication is something that was in the air at the time. In other words, Jesus is seen here as one who speaks divine truths, but he does so in an evocative way that draws those who are most interested in close so they might understand. Jesus consistently draws people to himself. It's like his M.O., his modus operandi. Consider some of these other moments in the Gospels where Jesus invites people close and then one from the Gospel, of the, gospel the, the book of James as well. In Mark chapter 6, verse 31, then because so many people were coming and going that the disciples did not even have a chance to eat, you know, they were busy doing ministry. Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. In Matthew chapter 5, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him. In Luke chapter 10, the story of Mary and Martha, of course, is one that that we hear a lot about. Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said, and then Jesus says to her, Mary has chosen what is better. Not that Martha wasn't doing good, but staying close to Jesus is what matters. If Jesus is up working, we're up working. If Jesus is on the way, we're on the way. If Jesus is stopping to teach, we're listening. We're close to Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, come to me. John six thirty five. Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Who comes to me? John 7, 37, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. And then Jesus gives us an illustration of this in John 15. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then in James, this general statement, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Think about this too. When Jesus calls Peter, 
Andrew, James, and John from their nets, when he summons Matthew from his tax booth, each invitation is a beckoning in the nearness with him. Follow me. Follow me. In these acts of calling, Jesus is not just recruiting followers. He's unveiling the profound secret of the kingdom, closeness to himself, closeness to himself. And this understanding of the word secret in Mark 4, this mustarion, lines up with how the word was understood at the time. I like how scholar William Barclay summarizes the idea. He says this, the word mystery has in Greek a technical meaning. It does not mean something which is complicated and mysterious in our sense of the term. It means something which is quite unintelligible to the person who has not been initiated into its meaning, but is perfectly plain to the person who has been so initiated. Then continuing, thus here the mystery of the kingdom does not mean that the kingdom is remote and abstruse and hard to understand, but it does mean that it's quite unintelligible to those who have not given their hearts to Jesus and that only those who have taken Jesus as master and Lord can understand what the kingdom of God really means. In other words, the secret of the kingdom, according to Jesus, appears to be being close to Jesus so he can explain its mysteries to us. The secret of the kingdom seems to be being close to Jesus so he can explain the mystery of the kingdom to us. When Jesus declares in Luke 17 that the kingdom of God is in your midst, he's saying the kingdom of God is not a distant, abstract reality. Instead, he's saying the kingdom is made manifest in Jesus' presence, and it's made manifest in the lives of those who draw near to him. We see this in Mark chapter 4 that was read for us. The 12 and the others were around him. They were around Jesus. They were near enough to Jesus to ask questions of Jesus. They were right there around him. While only parables were available to they on the outside. Those on the outside remain in the dark partly because they've missed the secret. They haven't come close to Jesus to receive it. And here's that secret, it's simple and profound. The closer we are to Jesus, the more tangible the kingdom becomes in and through us. Why? Because we're close to the king. We're close to the king. Why is this text so important for us today? Well, in today's world, distractions are rife, aren't they? Maybe it's just me. And in our relationship with Jesus, distance can easily creep in, can't it? Where he feels out there and we feel over here. This message remains as crucial as ever as a result of this. Our proximity to Jesus is not just a matter of physical closeness, it's not, because he's ascended to heaven at the right hand of the Father. But it's about closeness of heart, of mind and spirit. It's drawing near to Jesus in different ways, through prayer, through scripture, through community. And, and it's there that we find the essence of the kingdom unfolding in our lives as we're close to the king. Uh, Reverend Dr. Winfield Bevan shared this quote from N.T. Wright this past weekend. And in fact, I learned that it's one of his favorite quotes because it's in a lot of his books too. He said this, we have to, it's from N.T. Wright, we have to slow down to catch up to God. We have to slow down to catch up to God. A major component of slowing down, friends, is staying close to Jesus. Staying close to Jesus. I really like the title of this book by Kosuke Koyama. It's The Three mile an hour God, 
the three mile an hour God. Here's what he means. Friends, following Jesus doesn't mean keeping up with trends. It doesn't mean keeping up with our culture. It doesn't mean keeping up with the expectations we put on ourselves or that others put on us. It means remaining close to Jesus, who in the Gospels, he did discipleship at a walking speed at three miles an hour. That's the, the speed of discipleship. We, wanna, we don't like waiting, like Jessica started us off with. I want to get to being like Jesus now. And Jesus says, follow me. Walk with me. Come along. Stay close to me. Mark 4 challenges, challenges us to evaluate our spiritual proximity. Are we like the disciples? Are we eager to draw near to Jesus and understand? Are we willing to ask questions and be close to him? Or are we just content to stay on the outskirts, hearing but not comprehending? The kingdom's secret lies not in complex theology, not in liturgical ritual, but in the simplicity of staying close to Jesus. I love complex theology. I've become an Anglican despite growing up Southern Baptist. I, I love liturgy. But that's not, that's not what's central to following Jesus. What's central is being close to him. The kingdom's secret lies not in complex theology, not in ritual, but in the simplicity of staying close to Jesus. So what kinds of things might get in the way, might hinder us from being close to the king? What might impede our intimacy with him? I, there, there's a thousand things, right? A thousand ways that we're distracted, a thousand things that get in the way, but here's a few that might resonate with you. I want you to listen to these reflective questions put in the first person and, and try them on and see which one fits for you. Am I allowing my fear of imperfection or making mistakes to keep me from fully embracing the grace and acceptance offered by Jesus? Do I struggle with believing that Jesus' love is unconditional without needing to earn it by serving others? Am I so focused on my achievements and my image that I'm missing the deeper, authentic relationship Jesus offers, one that values me for who I am and not for what I do? Do I let feelings of being misunderstood or feelings of being uniquely flawed prevent me from seeking closeness with Jesus, who fully knows and loves me just as I am? Am I holding back from a deeper relationship with Jesus due to a fear of not having all the answers or feeling overwhelmed by the seeming complexities of faith? Do my fears and anxieties keep me from trusting in Jesus' presence and guidance, especially when times are uncertain? Am I avoiding deeper intimacy with Jesus because I fear it might limit my freedom or lead me into challenging and negative emotional territories? Does my desire to remain in control or to show strength hinder my ability to be vulnerable and reliant on Jesus? And the last one, am I neglecting my own relationship with Jesus and my efforts to maintain peace and avoid conflict in other areas of my life. Sisters and brothers, the secret of the kingdom is the answer to all of those questions. We need to be close to Jesus. We need to abide in his love. Friends, we need to be close to the king. Say that to your neighbor, close to the king. That's why this passage was important for the 12 and those around Jesus. That's why it's been important throughout the ages. That's why it's important for us today, and that's why it will always be relevant for us. There will never be a time when we have exhausted our need of being close to Jesus. And thanks be to God, there will never be a time 
when Jesus will exhaust his willingness to be close to us. I want to say that again. There will never be a time when we've exhausted our need of being close to Jesus. And then thanks be to God, there will never be a time when Jesus will exhaust his willingness to be close to us. How might we live this truth out, this kingdom secret out? Well, living it out means intentionally seeking moments of closeness with Jesus. It's in our daily devotions, our moments of prayer, our meditations on scripture. It's in our communal worship and in so many other ways that we draw near to him. It's about prioritizing our relationship with Jesus individually and together and ensuring that it remains at the center of our lives. It's not just an addition, a bolt-on, an afterthought on the back burner somewhere. It's at the middle, at the center. It's the foundation. One helpful way of thinking about how we might abide in Christ, how we might stay close to the king, is found in the Wesleyan theology of the means of grace. Wesley believed these means are channels through which God's love and power habitually flows into our lives. The means of grace are of two kinds. There's the works of piety and the works of mercy. The works of piety involve individual and communal practices that nurture our spiritual lives and draw us closer to God. They include things like this, praying. So engaging in heartfelt communication with God is a way that we stay close to Jesus. Reading and studying scripture. As we immerse ourselves in God's word, it helps us understand him and his character better and it keeps us close to Jesus. Through worship, through gathered worship, participating in gathered worship glorifies God and as we experience his presence with other believers, we stay close to Jesus. And then fasting. As we temporarily abstain from certain pleasures and we focus more intently on God, it helps us in these acute ways to stay close to Jesus. As we partake in the sacraments, as we experience God's grace through communion and baptism, we're reminded of God's love and our belonging in Christ and we're reminded again and again of Jesus' closeness with us and how we should stay close to him. That's the works of piety. The works of mercy, on the other hand, involve actions that express God's love to others. And in so doing, as we express his love, we stay close to him by expressing his love. It's like our hearts start beating together. Here's some of those. Doing good. I know that some of us grew up in traditions where good works were kind of like, don't talk about them, that'll, that'll go into works righteousness. But it doesn't. We're called again and again and again to actively seek to do good works in the world. And as we do, we stay close to Jesus because he's the one calling us into it. We can visit the sick and the imprisoned and we can extend care and compassion to people in difficult circumstances. And as we do, we get to stay close to Jesus. We can feed and clothe the poor. We can address physical needs as an expression of Christ's love. We can seek justice we can advocate for the oppressed and work toward a more equitable society. And as we do so, we're in lockstep with Jesus, staying close to him. And engaging in these means of grace, we draw near to Jesus. They're not just religious activities. They're not just things that Wesleyans do or that you're learning about in seminary. These are integral things, spiritual pathways that lead us into deeper intimacy with our king. By praying, we speak to him and we listen to him. Through scripture, we understand his heart. In worship, we experience his majesty collectively. Fasting brings a focus to our spiritual hunger. In the sacraments, we tangibly feel his grace. Likewise, in our work of mercy, they connect us to the heart of Jesus who came to serve and not be served. As we do good, as we visit the sick, as we help the poor, as we seek justice, and in so many other ways, we stay close to Christ as we embody his love for the world. 
So I want to encourage you as we seek to stay close to Jesus, let's actively engage in all of these means of grace. Let's create rhythms in our lives where these practices are not just occasional activities, but they become central parts of our daily walk with God. And in so doing, we'll find ourselves not just learning about the kingdom, which is great, but we'll find ourselves not just learning about it, but living in it, experiencing the power of the kingdom and the power of grace firsthand. Now, what if we lived out this secret of the kingdom more and more? Not just me, but all of us. What if we did? Imagine the transformation in our lives. Imagine the potential transformation in our communities. Imagine how our world might change if we truly embraced this secret that it's all about staying close to Jesus. As we draw closer to Jesus, closer to his love, closer to his compassion, closer to his grace, all of those things then flow through us more freely. His love, his grace, and his compassion come through us to others more freely. We become conduits of his kingdom. We touch lives and transform spaces with the very essence of Christ. Friends, that's when we, when we begin to see people and families and friend groups and communities changed for good forever. I've said this before, but aren't you excited about that? That's our mission. That's why you came to Little Wilmore. You came here to be involved in seeing people, families, friend groups, communities changed for good forever. We can and we will as we stay close to Jesus. As we live out this closeness, we also become beacons of light. We draw others toward the king. Our lives become living parables, illustrating the beauty and the reality of the kingdom, evocative language with our lives that draw people to ask questions. In staying close to Jesus, we don't just experience the kingdom, we become active participants in its unfolding story. And as we tell God's big story with our lives, we'll have chances to invite people we know and love to have their narratives merged into this meta-narrative of God's great redemptive story. Hallelujah, right? Sisters and brothers, there's no greater calling possible. We each, in our own God-ordained ways, we get to call people into intimacy with Jesus, that thing that changed your life. We get to call others into that same change. Hallelujah. As we stay connected with our Lord, we have the holy opportunity to bring others along to help them stay close to the, to the king. So I want us to remember today that the secret of the kingdom is not hidden in complexity, but it's in a simple, profound truth. Stay close to Jesus. If you don't remember anything else, just remember that. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. As we draw near to him, let's open our hearts to the transformative power of his presence. Stay close to Jesus. To end our time, I want to read that list of questions I read earlier again. I want you to listen to them again. And I want you to think, do I resonate with one or more of these ways that I might be hindered in staying close to Jesus? And if so, during our last song, I want you to just ask God, break down barriers, remove hindrances, and to give you courage to abide in him again. Some of us will be here in the front to pray with you during the song if you'd like some focused prayer. Otherwise, you can just stay right where you are and ask Jesus to help you reconnect with him once more, help you stay close to him. So if you're able, would you stand? I want you to listen with an open heart to these questions again. Am I allowing my fear of imperfection or making mistakes 
Keep me from fully embracing the grace and acceptance offered by Jesus. Do I struggle with believing that Jesus' love is unconditional without needing to earn it by serving others? Am I so focused on my achievements and my image that I'm missing the deeper, authentic relationship Jesus offers, one that values me for who I am and not for what I do? Do I let feelings of being misunderstood or being uniquely flawed prevent me from seeking closeness with Jesus who fully knows me and loves me as I am? Am I holding back from a deeper relationship with Jesus due to a fear of not having all the answers or being overwhelmed by the seeming complexities of faith? Do my fears and anxiety keep me from trusting in Jesus' presence and guidance, especially when things are uncertain? Am I avoiding deeper intimacy with Jesus because I fear it might limit my freedom or lead me to challenging negative emotional territories? Does my desire to remain in control or show strength hinder my ability to be vulnerable and reliant on Jesus? Am I neglecting my own relationship with Jesus in my efforts to maintain peace and avoid conflict in other areas of my life? Will you pray with me? Jesus, we long to embrace the secret, the mystery of your kingdom. We long to be close to you again, King Jesus. Help us. Remove barriers, kick down walls, speak truth to lies, undo unhealthy patterns, restore us, Jesus. By your spirit, point us again and again and again and again to your love and your grace and your willingness to embrace us once more. Amen. So as we sing, come if you would like prayer. Otherwise, connect with Lord Jesus where you are.